2: For Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuwana is now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
0: What up, Montana? Welcome in. It's Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Hope you're having an outstanding Tuesday. I'm Coulter Nuanas coming to you from the Northwest Motorsport Studio here at ESPN, at the Missoula Broadcasting Company, proudly locally owned and operated. Northwest Motorsport, new to Missoula. You can find amazing winter savings in Northwest Motorsport. Visit NWMSRocks.com. For the largest selection of lifted trucks, diesel trucks, and off-road capable SUVs, take back control of the road with a new rig from Northwest Motorsport. You want to be engaged with us? want to rap a little bit? Got some questions, comments, concerns, whatever? You can call us or text us, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. And all guests will join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone. You can also text that number as well. Keep it in mind, because about 45 minutes from now, you're going to have an opportunity to win a delicious sandwich. Maybe some wine. I don't know. Whatever you want to get down at Tagliari Deli, but they do have the best sandwiches in the state of Montana. So Tagliari Tuesday coming at you. What else we got on the show today? good one. We got Brent Vegan, Montana State head football coach, joining us here in just a minute. We also have our Treasure State Stars for the week. We're going to focus on National Signing Day. The early signing period opens tomorrow for college football, so uh, expected for 23 total in-state recruits to sign with both the Grizz and the Bobcats and a total of about 30 total guys expected to sign between the two Big Sky Conference schools in the state of Montana. Also going to continue to tell you some stories from our trip across the country. We were in Harrisonburg, Virginia, Huntsville, Texas, with stops in D.C., And Houston and Vegas in between. And uh, also second hour, our good buddy Sam Herter, Hero Sports, is going to hop on with us to talk all things FCS playoffs, including his All-American team. A bunch of uh, guys from both Montana Montana State um, landing on the All-American squad. So congratulations to all those guys, particularly the ones that are seniors that have gone through so much at both the schools uh, with the COVID year and, and everything in between. And then we're also going to talk about the two opponents that Montana and Montana State played over the weekend because that was their last FCS games for both those schools. I guess Sam Houston's going to play an independent FCS schedule next year before they move up to FBS, but they're ineligible for the playoffs. And James Masson out as well. So what do we think of those moves, and what will those moves, how they affect the rest of the FCS? we go now, though, to the Rengish Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in, the head coach of the last Montana school that's playing college football right now. He's Brent Vegan from the Bobcats. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on today.
0: First and foremost, let's talk about the weekend that was. An unbelievable weekend. It was fun being down there in Huntsville. Fun watching your guys compete. And uh, it seems like you guys are just a team on a mission. It seemed like there was nothing that was going to deter this team from just taking out the number one seed in the bracket. So just take us through it. I mean, did you feel in the week of practice last week that you guys were sharp and that you were guys preparing to do what you did in that forty-two to nineteen win over Sam Houston.
2: Yeah, I think it goes back to you know the previous Saturday against Martin. I think we finished really strong in that game. We had a really good second half, so I think that led to you know a really good good week of practice and, and knowing um, Sam Houston's success, the uh, the winning streak, the championship. I think our guys were fully aware that we needed to really prepare. They're a very talented team. But we weren't intimidated by their their success either. I think, you know, we went down there um, confident in what we could do. You know, I think we felt like a good you know, a good start would be uh would be pretty important. We had a great start. Um but we did the things we needed to. Uh we we knew we needed to outrush them. They were only giving up seventy one yards and that was gonna be a – a tall task. We knew we needed to hold them back. They had a really good running game. Uh, we were able to really get that going right from the start. Um, it was big, going to be big for us to take the ball away, and we did that. And we didn't turn it over. And we took it away early and really set our offense up well. And then, as far as explosive plays go, you know, we needed to be on the right side, and that was a really tall task. I think uh, looking at where their passing game was at relative to ours, uh, but we came right out of. The gates hit Lance. I think on the second play of the game, um, got that turnover uh, and threw a touchdown to Willie. So just within the matter of a handful of plays, you know, we had two long passes uh, and 14 points on the board. So, you know, I think we had a good sense of what we needed to do, and then and then our guys were, uh, you know, really had their mindset and going out doing it.
0: Well, That's what's so cool to watch with your squad is that sense of belief, and you've talked about it all year. The togetherness of the locker room. But it's just so apparent this time of year. And I think that's even accentuated now with the fact that you got this young kid that's just making waves across the entire FCS and Tommy Malotte playing quarterback. So talk about that element, just the fact that not only do you have a close knit squad, but you guys make a quarterback change right before the playoffs. And it seems like everybody on the roster is just completely all in with the guy you got under center these days.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about that, I, I, and, and I've talked about it. I, I think there's not a guy in our team that wouldn't, uh, you know, speak volumes of of who Tommy is as a person, as a worker above anything else. And that's uh, and that's saying a lot. He hasn't been here too long. In um, his time here, it, it, you know, was you know, in large part that that COVID year through his, his first year, and he just I think made a really good impression upon all his teammates, and then. You know, as we came in here as a new staff, I, I think continued to impress us. Um, and he's continued to get better um, as a quarterback. You know, we used him in all kinds of ways the first 11 games. Um, but you could see his development kind of behind the scenes. And I think what we did that week, that bye week, um, we had a couple practices where we had made the decision that he was going to be quarterback. and. You know, it's intentional. He we went out there and, and had him throw the ball around a little bit, and I think our team saw that and said, you know, um, okay, we're moving forward with a guy that not only do we like and respect, but you know, he can run the ball. That's you know, everybody sees that. But he can. He's a complete quarterback, and he's a he's an ultimate competitor too. So, you know, he worked through some things. Just having the game maybe slow down a little bit in that first half, of the Martin game, you know, and then his last, you know, I'd say six quarters of, of football have been. Tremendous, and I, I think the great thing right now—we're sitting here going into our 14th game. Um, he does not have a lot of uh, mileage, really. You know, he's he's played special teams and all that, but he's a pretty healthy guy right now. And um, you know, we'll need him to play really well this Saturday to you know keep this thing going.
0: Brett Vegan joining us, Montana State head football coach, here on Nuanas Now it's our Montana State Minute. We do this a couple times a week here on ESPN Radio. Let's talk about the upcoming opponent, then, Coach. South Dakota State, I think it's a fascinating parallel for you because you played at North Dakota State uh, back when South Dakota State was still Division Two and North Dakota State was also uh, Division Two, And those two schools sort of paralleled each other. NDSU has obviously reached unparalleled heights now this last 10 years. But you've had all sorts of experience, whether it was a player or a coach, battling with the Jacker, or have it. So it seems almost fitting now in your first year as a head coach outside of that little circle that they're, they have playoff opponents. So... Just take us through some of your history with South Dakota State.
2: Yeah, uh, going back to my playing days, um, you know, they were a team that, uh, that we were back and forth with. I know we we, we lost to them my senior year. Um, that was Coach Stiglmeyer's first year, and, and that was a big loss for us. I think they were a 500 team, and we were a playoff team, and that kept us out of the conference championship. But they always had good, good players for that stretch, and as we kind of finished up those division two years, again, it was uh, – it was a, it was a back and forth deal, and and, and as Coach Stiegelmeyer, you know, began to put his own uh, fingerprints on that program, they just continued to get better and better. And you know what I really admire about South Dakota State is we made we made that move together um, back in 2004, and you know, NDSU uh, um, did the things and, and has continued to do the things that that have been done there. But you know, South Dakota State. You know, they made a conscious decision that, that we're going to do this uh, as well as we can. You know, because if you look at their program history, I think there's just a couple playoff appearances before the move. Um, and then if you look at the last 10 years in particular, they're a perennial playoff team. And, and you know, there's a there's a continuity that's that's gone on. Um, Coach Dickemeyer has been there a long, long time. He's had a lot of the same staff members. Uh, they've, they've upgraded their facilities um, greatly in the last decade, and, you know, they really got it going. And, and they've still continued to be, um, you know, a thorn in NDSU's side. If anybody is, they've had, you know, the most success against them, and, and they, they've they've clearly driven each other, I guess. I, I think that's the one thing that she is, is apparent. And, and you know, um, a lot of history. Um, I, I You know, some games that, uh, you know, we thought we should have won that we didn't, and, and, you know, some really uh, hard fought victories at the same time. And, you know, um, to play them here on on this stage, um, you know, they certainly, you know, I appreciate the fact they won a couple games against higher seeds and got us a home game in Bozeman. But I think going to the playoffs, they would have been a team that I would have clearly said, you know, has a great chance of being here in the semifinals. Uh, and, and it doesn't surprise me. They're a very well-rounded team, and um, they're, they were a champion—you know, a runner-up last year playing the championship game. So, you know, we're going to have our hands full for sure.
0: We'll talk about John Stigelmeyer because he's one of the longest tenured coaches in all of college football. He's been there, like you mentioned, since the mid-'90s at South Dakota State. He's done a tremendous job. I've been covering South Dakota State since I first or I first remember when they came to Missoula to play in the playoffs in 2009. That was their first Division One playoff appearance and you're right they've been in the playoffs every year but one since then so perennial is exactly the right word to use. But when I watched South Dakota State they've had so many different iterations of the style that they play particularly offensively but defensively they always seem to look kind of the same and I think that's what you expect when you have that sort of stability and a defensive minded head coach. But what are thought thoughts of the evolution of South Dakota State because it seems like Coach Stigelmeyer, the key to his longevity has been his ability to be flexible and and sort of maybe morph the identity based on the personnel and just the talent he has on his team.
2: Yeah, no question. Um, you know, the, that's you're right uh, as far as the, the defensive side. I think the you know there's maybe been some subtle changes defensively, but you know the hallmark has been um, you know they're going to terrorize the up front. Uh, they're not going to kill themselves. Uh, they're going to be physical and and they're going to fly to the football and know where they're supposed to be. I, I think uh, you know they play defense in a very consistent manner and and that's been the same way through this whole stretch. But you you, you know offensively, you know they've had um, they've had some different versions of of high powered offenses. Whether they've been really good at tailback, um, really good at quarterback, uh, really good at tight end, or really good at receiver, and and they've been they've had some exceptional players at at all those positions and you know they've really done a good job of of highlighting those particular spots um you know there are a bunch of NFL guys in there a bunch of all Americans for sure and 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 he's had you know i think 3 4 play callers through that stretch you know and and that's to me that's a head coach um probably outlining some things outlining some expectations but then letting you know his uh his play callers just go you know, and do their jobs too and You know, um, hats off to them because they've they've continued to be a a high-powered, high-scoring, balanced offense. um, You know, through this whole stretch.
0: Well, the play caller now, Jason Eck, a guy that a lot of people around the state of Montana are maybe a little familiar with because he was the offensive line coach in Bozeman for a year. Tough uh, position to be in for him because he was taking over for Jason McAdoo, had been there for 13 or 14 years and was beloved by the Bobcat fan base. But Coach Eck seems like he's put his own stamp on it. So, do you, I mean, they've run the ball with such authority this year. Pierre Strong, Isaiah Davis, two of the best running backs in the country. Do you feel like, though, that his offensive line background, can you see that when you when you watch South Dakota State's offense on film?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it's not all that common for an offensive line coach to call play. He's done a, he's done a really good job of it uh, since taking over when Eric Isis left for um, Northern Illinois. And, you know, putting his own stamp on it, I think from a – from his perspective as you know, you as an O line coach, you're gonna probably highlight, you know, things that the O line does really well and um and they, they're a, a they're well coached unit. Uh they 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 play with really good technique, pad level and they're very aggressive. And, you know, I, I think he's gonna take that mindset of, of of really being able to, you know, stress them as much as he feels possible. And that's just a different gauge. Typically you don't get that like I said, an offensive line coach, you know, being a play caller. Um, you know, I, I do think that they utilize their personnel um, very well. And that's that's been that consistent hallmark. And it, it, this is a team that, you know, is highlighted, I think, by those two backs. But, you know, they got a couple tight ends that they, they really like to get get the ball to. But they're also really good blockers at the same time. They have the, the twin um, receivers, the Yankee, Yankee brothers, that – um, are, are very effective on the outside, and, and they can get the ball to them downfield. They get the ball in the in the screen game. Um, so just really tough to defend, and that starts with, you know, I think Kochak and the the old line and how well schooled they are. You know, their their old line, and sometimes an old line um, limits what you can do. You know, uh, just whether that's um, ability or intelligence or whatever. You know, just to, but there's it's clear to me that their O-line allows them to do a lot of things as opposed to limit, limit what they can do.
0: Brent Vegan joining us here on the Montana State Minute. We do this a couple times a week here on Nuanas Now. There's also a lot of crossovers because the Bobcats recently played South Dakota State, so there's some of the older guys on this team. They have a little bit of familiarity. I know not a lot of s- similar guys on the roster on either side, but some of the older guys have played each other before. But also your running backs coach and recruiting coordinator, Jimmy Beal, was at SDSU. For a moment in time, and then of course Leon Costello, who by the way will join us tomorrow here on Nuan, is Now, Montana State Athletic Director. He was at SDSU for uh, quite some time as well. So, I mean, particularly having a coach on your staff that was recently at South Dakota State, does that add anything to the intel you have out of SDSU, or how, how does this, some of those familiar connections add to this football game?
2: Well, I, I think what it does, and you mentioned you know our guys, you know a good number of them played. Um, in the game in 18, and then some played in 17. I, I think, I think what it does is you have an instant respect for what they're all about, and that's certainly what you know. What I bring to the, the table, having all the experience I have with, against them, is you know you can flip the film on, and and you know you're playing a very unfamiliar opponent sometimes in the playoffs, like you do with the Tennessee Martin, and you're you're really guessing on how hard they play where these kids come from. That is not the case in this situation and. You know our guys. Um, I think got beat down pretty good the the year in Brookings, and they remember that. And, and they remember it from the standpoint that they've got really good players. I think that's the perspective our guys have. You know, Coach Beal. You know, being there recently, um, you know, he's got a real good sense of the ability that they have. And you know, obviously Leon, his his experience being at that school, I think just knows how they've how they've done things, how they've grown that program. Um, and I think what what it comes down to is I think any time you you know an opponent, you respect opponent, I think your preparation, um, you're gonna get everything and then some out of it. And that's what we need to do and, and I, I'm certain they're gonna prepare like crazy at the same time. You know, it's there's not a lot of um not a lot of unknowns maybe in this deal and, and that's what you, you know, that's what you want. Uh you know, you want opponents that that you respect. Um, you know that you have to play uh, play your tail off to to get anything, and that's what's gonna you know that's what's gonna take come Saturday. A lot of
0: stuff going on on Montana State's campus this week. If I'm not mistaken, it's finals week as well. So I think people forget. You know, all of us remember back to our days as just students and how stressful finals can get. Uh, pretty uh, pretty busy to be able to prepare for a FCS semifinal playoff game. As well as a final, so how do you think you guys are going to handle this, and then how do you mitigate that element of this thing?
2: Well, I, I think they're doing all right. We have finals, uh, you know, really Monday, yesterday through Thursday, and you know, I, I think, I think this day and age, it's, it's maybe uh, there's a little bit more flexibility with with the on- online capabilities of finals. Um, you know, I, I think that's helped. You know, we did a, we practiced in the morning both yesterday and today. Um, so we really didn't have uh, hardly any conflicts with, with it. Uh, we would practice in the afternoon tomorrow because we were going to have some morning conflicts. So, you know, it's, it's a different week for sure. Um, in some ways, you know, our, our guys can manage their time um, a little bit differently, maybe more effectively because they're not in classes. But, uh, you know, it's, it's paramount that they succeed um, on these finals. And, and, you know, we've made, made that abundantly clear. Um, So, you know, spending any time they can outside of, uh, you know, our practice and meeting times, preparing for them and doing the very very best they can.
0: Well, it's also very busy because tomorrow is the opening of the early signing period for college football. That hit me in the back like a truck. I couldn't believe that that was happening. I completely forgot this was even happening because I've been so excited and, and having so much fun covering the playoffs. But how do you manage that from a coaching staff perspective? when you are in the midst of a playoff run, but you're also trying to put together at least a portion of your, your first recruiting class at Montana State.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's an interesting dynamic as you work uh, into December. So with the last two weeks have been a contact period. Um, I've gotten out and done some recruiting a little bit, uh, you know, gotten around the state. We've had a chance to see, you know, all of our in-state commits. Um, so that's been positive. Uh, typically, though, we would be all over the place if we, if we weren't playing, you know, juggling tomorrow, um, you know, the last couple of years at Wyoming as this early signing date came into effect. Um, I know one, one year we, we, had, we were in Boise for the potato bowl. And we did sign there. Another time, I think we were shoot, we were still preparing, uh, you know, for whatever bowl we were in uh, the Arizona bowl, I guess so we played later. So, you know, it has changed this month quite a bit. Um, uh, tomorrow is, is a big day. You know, we'll add some really good players to this program. I look forward to talking about them in the afternoon tomorrow. But uh, it's just the nature of it. Uh, I think it's a, it's a really good problem when you can tell recruits. You know, we can't get out and recruit because we're playing. We can't have, you know, guys on campus last weekend because we're down in Texas. Um, you know, so you take the take the good with the bad, and and, and we've had a, a great response because of our. Our success this fall, and you know, these guys that we're adding to the mix will be a, a big part of us, you know, having future success.
0: Red Vegan joining us the Montana State Minute here on Nuane is Now. He is Montana State's head football coach, Bobcats. They host South Dakota State, the first semifinal football game in Bozeman since 1984. And coach, I know that you, specifically with your time in North Dakota State, have had playoff runs before, but this one, your first as a head coach. So just the magnitude of this, the fact that this is the first playoff game in the state of Montana, period, since 2009, first semifinal game in Montana since 2009, and uh, the first one at Bobcat Stadium in 37 years, uh, a pretty impressive accomplishment by your guys. So has the magnitude of this moment set in for you yet?
2: Well, I don't know. I, I, I know we're just happy to be back home, and the thing—the stadium sold out, and it's going to be a environment that I think will really help us um, come Saturday. So, not only excited for our players, but our fans. You know, this is um, an opportunity that hasn't uh, presented itself in a long time, but it's a position that, you know, I think it's a football program that we um, we think we should be in. You know, it was uh, unfortunate that we lost, lost our ability to kind of control our destiny as far as the home field advantage went on um, the last week of the season. Um, we were still seated. That was good to get the one home game and you know we needed a little help to get back here but it all it kind of came into play so um, you know anytime you get a chance to play at home in the playoffs um, you know it, it I think it does and it should work to your advantage I know it did um, those three years in Fargo for us and it has continued you know to be the case for, for North Dakota State um, as they made all those runs uh, you get a chance to play at home in your own environment um, and, you know I don't know how to quantify the, the points necessarily um, but when you play in an electric environment like we do, you know it it does make a difference. And you know that's not the that's not the case everywhere in the FCS, unfortunately. Um, but uh, we're happy that uh, that is the case here, and and just so excited, you know, to to feel that energy come Saturday at noon.
0: Well, last thing for you, then. It seems like when you get to this point, it's anybody's ball game. Everybody that's left is playing outstanding football. Affirmation is among the best teams in the United States this year and uh, awesome for you guys. But well, how do you finish the deal? I, what's it going to take on Saturday if you guys are going to win this final home game and uh, get yourself a little trip to Frisco, Texas? Well, I
2: think it's going to take a lot of the same ingredients that uh, got us to win last Saturday at San Houston. Um, you know, think you get to this point, point of the season, you have to be able to defend the run. Uh, You've got to be able to find a way to run the football. Um, I think for us, um, you know, as far as those those explosive plays that we talked about, different makeup of an opponent here, but they still have explosive ability. We really have to limit it, and then we got to find a way to create some on our end. Um, and then and certainly that, that turnover margin is going to be huge. And I think this game, maybe different than last week, is going to be a little bit more of a street fight. You know, uh, uh, they're a physical team. Um, I think we fashion ourselves as a physical team. That's that's you know that's hard to quantify sometimes um leading into a game but it's something you can definitely feel maybe a quarter into a game of of you know who's who's the more aggressive physical team and 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 that needs to be us and then hopefully those other things you know the the rushing yards the takeaways the turnovers um, and the explosive plays kind of follow suit so um, you know, this is a classic, I guess, playoff matchup. Um, teams with, with similar styles to some degree. And, um, you know, we got to go out and execute and play as hard as we can and, um, you know, hope the, the home field, you know, energy brings us, uh, brings us something that makes it a little more complicated for them. So uh, really excited for it and I can't wait to, you know, get our team out there uh, on Saturday.
0: Well, we can't wait either. We'll bring the whole crew over. Can't wait to see Bobcat Stadium fully sold out for a Final Four game. Been a long time coming. Brett Vegan joining us here on Nuanas Now. Thanks so much for being with us, Coach, and best of luck on Saturday.
2: Uh, I really appreciate Culture. Go Cats.
0: There you go. It's the Montana State Minute presented by Jake Dubeck. Jake Dubeck, your go-to realtor in the Helena area. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, he has all sorts of properties from Helen all the way down to Townsend and everywhere in between around the capital city. He understands people as well as anybody I've ever met, and he'll be able to understand you with any of your real estate questions. The Montana State Minute, presented by Jake Dubeck, your Montana realtor. Sam Herder from Hero Sports coming up at the top of the hour. So we'll look forward to talking to the senior FCS analyst. But Hero Sports released their All-American teams today and a array of decoration for some of the best players in the state of Montana. And most of these, not really a surprise, but congratulations to these guys nonetheless. First-team All-American honors from players from the Treasure State include Montana State defensive end Daniel Hardy. He has 14 sacks and counting so far during his breakout senior year. Patrick O'Connell from Montana, Buck Buchanan Award finalist, is also on the first team, as is Troy Anderson from Montana State, the Big Sky Conference Defensive Player of the Year, and himself a Buck Buchanan Award finalist. And Justin Ford, who finished fourth in the Buck Buchanan Award, voting a junior cornerback from the University of Montana. He is also a first-team All-American. And Brian Buschini, the last honor he'll earn as a Grizzly, freshman punter from Helena, Montana. He announced today he's on his way to Nebraska, but uh, he was a first-team All-American for the Grizzlies this last fall. Second-team selections include Isaiah Afonso from Montana State, the outstanding running back, the league's leading rusher, Set the single-season record for rushing yards in a season by a Bobcat. And a guy that helped him get there, Lewis Kidd, offensive lineman for the Bobcats, a first-team All-Big Sky selection. He's a second-team All-American in his senior year. Matt O'Donohue, the long snapper for the Montana Grizzlies, and Malik Flowers, the return specialist for the Grizzlies. Those guys both on the second team as well. Third-team All-Americans from Hero Sports included Chase Benson from Montana State and Jace Lewis from Montana. Very happy about both of those. Uh, I was... A little concerned uh, just because Benson doesn't get the credit he deserves. I I will go to my grave saying that he is among, if not the most important players on Montana State's defense, and what a warrior. He's played through so much pain this year, but he has done a phenomenal job anchoring the center of the Bobcat defense. And Jace Lewis, I thought he was snubbed as a second-team All-Big Sky guy, but I'm glad he got an All-American nod because he did a phenomenal job of representing Montana's number 37. And what a great story, a Class B kid, out of Broadwater County High School, who becomes a a three-year starter and an outstanding player for the Grizzlies. Montana's Robbie Houck and Kevin Macias. Robbie Houck, a safety, Kevin Macias, a kicker, also land on the third team. Hero Sports also does freshman and sophomore All-American teams. Alex Gubner, the uh, sophomore defensive tackle for the Grizzlies, lands on the sophomore All-American team. Cole Grossman, freshman tight end, and, of course, Bushini both land on the freshman All-American teams. From Hero Sports as well. A total of 40 guys from the Big Sky Conference. So uh, they dominated, the Big Sky did, when it came to Hero Sports All-American Accolades. Sam Herder from Hero Sports joining us about half an hour. But right now, we get you all set up for all the guys expected to sign with both the Grizzlies and the Bobcats tomorrow with the opening of the signing period, including 23 of them from right here in the Treasure State. Our Treasure State stars highlighting some of the best high school football prospects in the state next here on Nuanas Now.
2: and Missoula Sports Center
0: semifinals of the FCS playoffs are coming to Montana for the first time in more than a decade. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Saturday night in Huntsville, Texas, the Montana State Bobcats pulled off an upset for the ages, toppling top-ranked, top-seeded, and undefeated Sam Houston in resounding fashion. MSU freshman quarterback Tommy Malott caught a touchdown, threw a touchdown, and rushed for two more scores as Montana State surged to a 28-0 lead early in the second quarter on the way to a 42-19 victory. The win helps Montana State sew up a bit in the semifinals Finals of the playoffs for the second year in a row. It also means that MSU will host South Dakota State in the first semifinal playoff game at Bobcat Stadium since 1984. The state of Montana has not seen a Final Four game since Montana defeated App State in overtime in 2009 to advance to the title game. MSU's victory marked the first road FCS playoff win in program history. It also marked the first time Sam Houston has ever lost a home game in the postseason and snapped a 22-game winning streak for the Bearcats, dating back to their undefeated Defeated spring season that saw Sam win their first national title. And finally, Friday in Harrisonburg, Virginia, the Montana Grizzlies ran into a buzzsaw. James Madison scored on a pair of big plays in the first half while knocking out Grizz quarterback Cam Humphrey before cruising to a 28-6 victory over UM. Montana's season ends with a 10-3 record. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. Unbelievable that Santana is coming to Missoula in April. I guess I shouldn't be surprised given what the music scenes turned into here in Western Montana. One of the best parts about living in the Garden City is all the awesome concerts. I don't know why in my head it seems even more crazy than like the Rolling Stones or Paul McCartney, Elton John, but it does. Supernatural dropped about 20 years ago and it was a landmark album. I know it it became so popular that it almost became like Santana became hated kind of because it was so popular, and he had so many different cameos on that record with a variety of different vocalists and things, but I love that record. I love Santana, so I'll be very excited to see Santana when he comes to Missoula in the spring. It's Devontas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Talk a little music here on your Tuesday. Also, can't believe it's here I still don't really know any of the benefits. I can tell you about a million downsides, and I don't really know what the upside is. But the early signing period opens tomorrow for college football, three-day signing period. And uh, it's just accelerated all things football. And I, I do get, like, maybe schools can get their stuff wrapped up a little early. But I think the timing of it is why we saw guys like Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly bolt from their prestigious jobs to take other prestigious jobs because they needed a couple weeks to go recruit before this early signing period. I also think the guys that don't sign early get caught in the wash a little bit. Sometimes, you know, maybe you, you got some FCS offers and then you start getting a little Mountain West interest. You don't sign with the FCS. They fill your spot. And then maybe somebody else takes your scholarship at the FBS level. And then maybe you're just hung out to dry. Sometimes it get benefit some of the FCS schools. Like Simeon Woodard, who had a pick against Sam Houston for Montana State. He was getting recruited by some SEC schools. And then it kind of all fell through and he didn't have anywhere to go. So he was a late commit to Montana State out of San Antonio, Texas. And he's been great. He's a true freshman starter for the Bobcats and on one of the best defenses in the country. So sometimes guys like that can sort of matriculate their way to this level that we cover here in Montana. Uh, Dylan Simon's another guy like that. He was committed to Florida State once upon a time, a corner for the Grizz, but then that kind of fell through, and all of a sudden he has nowhere to go, and uh, he ends up in Montana. So there are some benefits to some of the FCS schools, I guess, but... I also think then this is why we see this rash of transfers this time of year. Usually your season gets over, and then maybe you have a couple weeks of exit meetings and your finals and stuff, and then it's winter break coming up. Then you report back, it's winter conditioning, and you get a, a little bit of time to think and be around your teammates. And, you know, your coaches lay out what your role responsibilities are going to be and, and what they expect from you in the offseason. And then, you know, maybe. If you decide to transfer still, maybe then you can pull the trigger and you can sign somewhere in February. Well, now that's in December, I think a lot of teams, a lot of players, they get done with their year. And then there's all this pressure to make a decision to get into the portal. Like that was part of the reason uh, of Matt McKay's timing at Montana State. Montana State's former quarterback, he, he pulled the trigger because he wanted to be available before what's going to happen tomorrow came to fruition. So, I don't know, I'm a little torn on it. But all that said, what it's become in Montana is the time in which the Grizz and the Bobcats sign most of their Montana prospects. Most of the guys that are like the full scholarship or half scholarship type guys that sign with the Cats or the Grizz are doing it early. They're doing it right here in mid-December. And then usually the guys that fill in the rest of the class for the, the more traditional signing day, the first Wednesday of February, Those are some of your Mount West guys, some of your guys that fall through the cracks at that level, or maybe just some late additions because you have some attrition in those six to eight weeks, and then oftentimes a lot of the preferred walk-on guys from Montana then are signed in as well. So, let's talk about who's going to sign, or at least who's expected to sign, for both the Grizz and the Bobcats tomorrow. This is our Treasure State Stars. It's presented by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union is an outstanding place to get a loan, no matter what you need financing for Because Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes. Let's take a look at the Grizzlies first. They have 11 verbal commitments from the state of Montana among their 13 commitments overall. Here's the guys expected to sign with the Grizz tomorrow. Caden Hewitt, outstanding quarterback from Helena, Montana, 6'4", 200-pounder, who led the Bengals to the semifinals of the Class AA playoffs. He's really good. He's the real deal. I've seen him in person. I've seen him at Marty Morningweg's camp. Uh, I've also seen him in three different games. Unfortunately, two of them were against Sentinel, and he, he honestly had not great uh, outings, including as a junior. He got knocked out of that game, and that was a huge um, blow to hell a high in that game that Sentinel just ran through the Bengals in that one. But Hewitt's a good, uh, a, a good prospect, and, and we'll see what he becomes, but he's certainly going to enter a quarterback room where things are wide open in Montana. And I'm not prophesizing or predicting that this kid's going to be in the mix next year. But he's almost going to have to be in some form or fashion only because Cam Humphrey graduates. I do think that Montana is going to go get a transfer. They were offering they offered two different guys yesterday. We'll get to that a little later on. And then if they do bring in a transfer, what's that mean for Chris Brown? What's that mean for Robbie Patterson? So I, just, I do think that uh, there's going to be a wide open room and I think the girls are going to fill several seats at the quarterback position, but one of them filled with Caden Hewitt from Helena High. Bo Dantic from Laurel, Montana, led the Locomotives to a runner-up, finish in the Class A playoffs. They were the champions when Dantic was a junior. He's a running back linebacker type. I'm actually interested to ask Coach Huck where they see him playing. But he's a big, strong kid, and uh, he can run. And uh, he's a good – he's a hard hitter. Uh, so we'll see what they play him. Uh, probably needs to get a little mass and strength if he's going to play linebacker. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see where he projects, but um, he's a good get out of Laurel, Montana. Tyson Rostad, I'll be interested to see where they play him as well. He was a quarterback and safety that led Hamilton High to their first Class A state championship since 1998. Rostad goes about 6'1", 200 pounds. He runs really well. He's really tough. His older brother, Carson Rostad, a former Gatorade player of the year, he came to Montana as a quarterback, but has since been switched to defense. He was playing some special teams this year. And showed pretty well uh, during his redshirt freshman year. So also interested where Tyson Rostad ends up. Ian Finch from right here in Missoula, Montana, a Hellgate product. This kid's a great athlete. I've seen him play basketball more than I've seen him play football, but he's an awesome basketball player. He, he's really good uh, hands, and he's got he's really he's got quick twitch. He's a good jumper, but he's also a quick jumper if that makes sense. Get off the ground pretty quick. That usually caters to being a good wide receiver. He had outstanding numbers at Hellgate. Kind a whole ton of touchdowns. Uh, so I think that he's a guy that, as a local guy, I think they're probably getting him for, for uh, quote-unquote, cheap, so to speak. Limited amount of scholarship resources. But he has a lot of upside. Chase McGurin from Helena High. He was Hewitt's main target, and uh, I expect him likely to start wide receiver at Montana, but he, he's a good player. Joey Visser uh, from Jefferson High, Jefferson County High School in Boulder, Montana. He's about 6.175. 175. i five. I'm interested to see. This is the versatility of Montana athletes, right, but also because they come from smaller programs. A lot of these guys, you know, Bo Dantic, I think he could play running back or linebacker at Montana. Tyson said, I think he could play a variety of positions. Uh, same thing with Joey Visser. We'll see if he plays offense or defense at Montana. Joe Wida, the son of longtime Grizz trainer J.C. Wida. He's a 6'4", 220-pounder out of Missoula Sentinel, a tight end and a defensive end for uh, the Spartans this last year on their run to the Class AA State Championship. And I think he'll probably play tight end at Montana. Marcus Evans, the younger of Scott Evans' two boys, Zach Evans already playing for the Grizzlies. Marcus Evans, who was a first-team All-State linebacker, he goes about 6'1", 200 uh, for the Bengals. So that's 3 hell of hell-and-a-high kids for those of you counting. But I think Marcus Evans will play linebacker at Montana, and uh, he's a very good player. Uh, his brother was solid in high school. But I think that Marcus, Marcus is the more talented of the two. And uh, they come from great lineage because Scott Evans is a great coach. He's been coaching high school football in the state of Montana for more than two decades. This is a recent commit. Bronson Hendrickson. He's a six foot four, two hundred and twenty-pound defensive lineman out of Poulson, Montana. Zach Wilson got so many of the accolades for Pulson, the quarterback up there who's only a junior. So I actually really didn't know much about Hendrickson, but it looks like a long lean prospect that, that Bobby Hawk really likes. Missoula Sentinel's Zach Cruz is also on the list. Uh, He's likely to play defensive end or outside linebacker uh, at Missoula's, or excuse me, for the Grizzlies. He's from Missoula Sentinel. He was the heart and soul of that team, one of their best players. And then the last in-state player, Patrick Rohrbach. Kicker, putter from Kalispell Glacier. I heard this kid's really good. Very talented. So with Kevin Macias graduating and Brian Machini into the transfer portal, Rohrbach might have a chance to compete right away. Uh, The out-of-state guys, for. Montana expected to sign Eli Gilman. He is the Minnesota Player of the Year, three-star running back from the Minneapolis area, uh, who is, looks like an outstanding prospect on film. His film's ridiculous. He's really, really, really good. And then the other one, a three-star athlete out of Park City, Utah. He's 6'3", 205-pound receiver Sam Alford. He's actually been on the show before. And Sam is the younger brother of Eli Alford, defensive tackle for the Grizzlies. Treasure State Stars, presented by Parkside Credit Union. Let's take a look at the in-state products expected to sign with the Bobcats. Two guys from Gallatin High School. It's only been around for two years. The first two guys ever from the Gallatin Raptors that will sign Division I scholarships out of Bozeman. Ryland Schlepp, big tight end. He's been on the show before, and he's got a lot of upside. He's about 6'4". He's got good, strong hands. He's a he's a strong kid in general. I like his aggressiveness, so he's a good one. And then the other Bozeman Gallatin product, Jake Vegan, that name sounds familiar. He is indeed the son of head coach Brett Vegan. I actually have only seen Jake Vegan throw the football a little bit, but he's a great baseball player, and uh, that usually caters well to a success. We've seen it right now with some of the guys that are currently tearing it up at, at all levels of football, whether it's Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson at the NFL level or Eric Berry at Easter Watson was a great baseball player as well. I do think there's some arm angle stuff, some throwing on the run that caters to play modern quarterbacks. We'll see if Jake Vegan can make those things translate. Other in-state products for the Bobcats include Burke Mastel from Red Lodge. He's an offensive lineman uh, who's got a lot of upside. He's got a good frame. Ethan Abbott, who's a defensive tackle out of Florence. That's a good get for the Cats because Florence right here in the backyard of the Grizzlies. And Ethan Abbott, he stood out to me when I first started watching him as a junior. He's mean. He's really, really big. I mean, he looked like a giant against Class B competition. I mean, he's 6'5", 280, and, and he <laughs> looked that part all day long helping lead Florence to an undefeated season and a Class B state title. Chaco and Caden Daller from Billings West, two of the most explosive athletes in the state that led the Golden Bears to runner-up finish at the Class AA level. And so those those guys are good gets. The Grizzlies both recruited those guys pretty hard as well. Tommy Nielsen, an offensive lineman from Missoula Hellgate, who's got a lot of potential. Max Kimball, also of Billings West. If the Kimball name sounds familiar, it is. It's... Uh, couple of Kimballs that have played for the Bobcats back in the 80s. Doug Kimball's on the 1984 national championship team. That's Max Kimball's uncle. And then Brad Kimball, he also played for the Bobcats. I believe that's Max Kimball's dad. The fourth Billings West Golden Bear, Max Murphy. He's a uh, likely going to play linebacker for the Bobcats, but he just committed recently. And uh, so that gives a quartet of Billings West Golden Bears going to MSU. A couple other newer commits. The most recent one being Casey Kotzman from Butte High School. He actually got an offer from Sac State the other day, which if if Andy Thompson, Sac State defensive coordinator, played football at Montana, if he starts recruiting in Montana, they could steal a couple guys out of here. We'll see. But uh, that could impact the, the Montana recruiting wars. If there's another big sky school that's not the Grizz or the Bobcats recruiting in state, that'd be pretty interesting. Cassman will be joined by his Butte High teammate, Dylan Snyder. Not sure what he's going to play. He was a wide receiver, defensive end, and linebacker at Butte High. And then Ryan Cray, who's a fullback slash linebacker, an athlete basically, at a great fall, High, so also expected to sign. So for those counting, that's 11 in-state guys expected to sign with the Grizzlies, 12 in-state guys expected to sign with the Bobcats. MSU expected to sign 17 total. The Grizz expected to sign 13 total. The out-of-state guys for the Bobcats include... Christian Anaye, who's a wide receiver out of Hamilton High School in Arizona. Not the Hamilton here in the Bitterroot Valley, but Hamilton High School down in the Phoenix area. Very prestigious and, and well-thought-of football program down there. Jordan Reed, who's been on this show uh, from Montana State. A big strapping quarterback recruit from southern, southern California. A couple hours south of San Diego. They had a, all sorts of delays and cancellations, and, and he sort of fell through the cracks. He was getting recruited by... A bunch of the Mountain West schools in California like San Jose State and Fresno State, San Diego State, ended up not getting he, he didn't get to play his senior year at all, so he's been gray-shirting, so he'll be joining this class and then be eligible in the fall. But it looks like a really talented kid. Taylor Markham out of Timberline High School in Boise is a running back. Logan Frederickson is a defensive end out of Rigby, Idaho. And Drew Polidor is a three-star cornerback out of Katy, Texas. Those are the out side of the state guys expected to sign with MSU tomorrow there could be some surprises uh, National Signing Day and the opening of the National Signing Period as this is now sort of referred to used to have a lot more mystery and a lot more um, allure to it only because now everybody tweets all their offers and everybody puts it all over Twitter I mean I remember when I first started uh, beat writing uh, from a sports perspective I was burning up the phone lines calling high school coaches trying to be the guy on the forefront of recruiting. And now you just got to put your Twitter alerts on or just search you know, Montana offer, Montana State offer, and boom, all these guys pop up. So not necessarily the the surprise or the pizzazz that he used to have, but still a big day for all these kids. And so congratulations to all 25 of them from the state of Montana that are expected, excuse me, 23 of them from the state of Montana that are expected to sign with both the Grizz and the Bobcats tomorrow. And we'll have a full recap for you, maybe even a couple sound bites from both. Bobby Hall can Brent Vegans press conferences as the early signing period begins Wednesday. That's tomorrow. I had to rally on Sunday while watching two outstanding football games sitting at a card table at the MGM Grand in Vegas. What else do we do besides get squished in little planes and travel all over the United States this last weekend? Stories from the road here on New Orleans Now. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio.
2: It is now on ESPN
0: Radio. It's Spotify Wrapped Week. I know you guys all got your Spotify wrapped a couple weeks ago, but this is the last week of Duana's now for 2021. Back in full force after the new year. As always, I didn't use any of my vacation this year, so they're kicking me out of here so I can get it taken care of. You know, use it or lose it. So uh, I'll be not really doing anything. I'm just going to hang out, you know. I'll probably come to work every day. Half my friends work here <laughs> anyways. So, uh, no, but no nuances now, last two weeks of the year. Uh, so we're playing some of the best from my Spotify rap. This is a little Brooks and Dunn for you. I really got back into the Brooks and Dunn this year. I have a very dear aunt of mine who's uh, been sick this year, and I always think of her, especially whenever I listen to Brooks and Dunn. She's from the Southwest, grew up in Sedona, and uh, she used to always play Brooks and Dunn when we were kids. And uh, so, this is very nostalgic for me. A little south of Santa Fe, which then reminds me, by the way, it's Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. But I, uh, I'm flying back from Vegas after we stopped there for a, a brief soiree after driving down from Huntsville, Texas to Houston, and then flying from Houston to Vegas. We had a couple hours there in Vegas, so got all our stuff uh, checked in, and then. Whenever the MGM Grand, but when, I was, when we we're flying back from Vegas, though, they have this magazine called The Sunsetter for all the Allegiant flights. And on the back, it has all the shows. And Brooks and Dunn has been doing a, sh- uh, a show in, in Vegas for a while now. But it ends. I was looking at it and thinking, gosh, I got to go see me some Neon Moon live in Vegas. I was thinking maybe I'd even do that, you know, just catch a plane for a day or two down there during my upcoming time off but uh, not so much it ends on December 15th so I guess what's that what day is it today the 14th yep so it ends tomorrow so bummer won't be seeing Brooks and Dunn at least during this iteration of their stay in Vegas but uh, gotta love you Brooks and Dunn good stuff but we had a lot of fun on our travels but probably the two most memorable things I guess the three most memorable things that we uh, encountered myself Andrew Houghton our producer here at ESPN Missoula as well as writer at Skyline Sports, and uh, Blake Hempstead, one of our photographers at Skyline Sports. There's us three making the trip. And uh, I told you all the perils of our our travel logistics, but perhaps one of the best things that we encountered uh, was a couple really unique places that we got a chance to go. I told the story of flying Andrew into the wrong Washington, D.C. airport (laughs) on Thursday night, but then that let me and Blake go... uh, mob around andrews hood for a little while his mother lives there in brookland right uh right next to the city basically i mean it's in the heart of the city but just a couple you know not very far from from a lot of the the iconic buildings and monuments and things like that in washington dc but we found this place called the Do drop in and i only picked it because it was the only place in the area that was open it was very late it was like 12 30 at night by the time we got there but this place was like Straight out of Butte, Montana, or something, in the middle of Brookland, and there's hardly anybody there. But everybody that was there was really friendly, uh, or I guess uh, maybe not friendly, very engaging, <laughs> very East Coast. We we were wearing some branded gear. I think Blake had a Skyline shirt on. I had an ESPN coat on. So they were asking us, you know, about the gig, what we we're in town for, whatever. But also the bartender there, he had not only happened to be the son of one of Andrew's basketball coaches growing up, but also a guy that went to New Hampshire, who, which is also in the Colonial Athletic Association, and a rival of James Madison. And so he was uh, didn't have very, very much nice to say about JMU. Uh, but, Andrew, that was fun, though, being sort of in your neck of the woods. And it was also cool because you had texted me, hey, you should go to these places. And I said, hey, I looked those places up, but they weren't open. But you'd never actually been to this place. And they also told us this place had only been open for like, Less than a decade, and it seemed like one of those places they've been open for a hundred years. It was just so funny, but it was also just cool to just hear this guy's stories, and then have your memories sort of kick in about playing basketball for this guy's dad once upon a time. It just it, classic small world, after all. Even when we were twenty five miles or twenty five hundred miles away from Montana. Yeah, it was a super
3: sweet place. I actually haven't been to a lot of places in my old neighborhood because the pace of development around there is just off the charts. But yeah, man, this was like an old fashioned. Little dive bar. We went back there on our on our way back through D.C. When after the James Madison game, they had a little nightclub. It sounded like going on downstairs, but the upstairs, just the wooden floors and the the decorations on the walls, it, it, it was sweet. It, it's an old building there, right uh, right next to the metro tracks, right, right. Li- literally across the metro tracks from my childhood home. So an old building. I don't know what it used to be. I guess they said it used to be a hotel there, which makes sense if it was right by the tracks. Um, but just just a sweet
0: vibe all around. Absolutely. And then the other place that was unforgettable was, tell me again, Benny J's what? Bone, bird, bone, bone beef, beef, and, and f- bird. Yeah. Okay. So so we're driving from, Hunts- from Houston to Huntsville, so which is, that's about uh, 60 miles, takes about an hour. The first thing you see is the most obscenely large white statue of Sam Houston, who, by the way, we learned all about Sam Houston, and uh, definitely some uh, a, a crazy and, and famous and infamous life that he lived. He was the general of the Republic of Texas Army, won some battles in the Texas-Mexican War, and uh, then he was the president of the state of uh, the Republic of Texas, the first and third president of the Republic of Texas, Then also... Went on to become the governor of the state of Texas when it became a state in the United States, but then he was also the governor of Tennessee in his life. I have never heard of that ever a guy being a governor of two different states. I didn't even know that was possible. That would be like if Brian Schweitzer just became the governor of California someday. It's just it's totally, I never even realized that was a thing. But then we were, you know, debating okay, we're, we're in the South, you know, we're in Texas. Do we want Mexican or barbecue? So we said barbecue because that's more rare, more hard to find uh, up in this neck of the woods. And so Andrew's uh, looking for places. And he says, oh, I got a barbecue place. Looks good. Okay. And we pull up. And it's basically like in a driveway. It looks like we're going to somebody's house.
3: Yeah, we. this was a completely <laughs> residential neighborhood. We pulled up. And it was like I was the guy navigating. I was the guy who found this place. We're in this residential neighborhood. doesn't look like there's anything around. I was like, man, it can't be here. These
0: directions cannot be right. <laughs> and Blake who's our resident comedian, and he is so anaconda, it hurts. He is like from a different moment in time, and he just loves his hometown. But he's sitting here saying, well, boys, we're either going to have the best meal of our lives, or this is going to be the last day of our lives because we might get killed in here. (laughs) It's like this run-down, downtrodden shack, but you could smell it from about three blocks away, so you knew it was going to be pretty good. And then we walk in there, and we say, hey, what should we get? The guy said, you should just order the plate with everything. So yeah. Get get the four meat plate and all of it. And the best part about this, and this is one of the most fascinating parts about traveling as somebody that grew up in Montana. I don't ever remember going anywhere ever in my life as a kid all the way through my mid twenties where you'd go somewhere outside of Montana. It was always more expensive. Now Montana's become this destination place, particularly the college towns of Missoula and Bozeman, where everything is so expensive that it was actually, like, way cheaper in a lot of the places we were at. But we got we each got, four, me, you, and Blake all got four meat plates with two sides and some drinks and some bread and all this stuff. So much food I couldn't even eat it, even though we hadn't eaten in about 24 hours and I was starving. Grand total, $39. Unbelievable. It would have been, I mean, I'm used to paying 100 bucks when you go out to eat with three people this day and age here, but uh, it ended up being a great choice, and it was, it was a funny atmosphere. We ended up talking to these two guys that were from there that, we're talking to some about the game, and that was probably the other great part about the trip is that we talk, we made friends basically every place we went, even though we didn't have a lot of time to to hang out and chill. So uh, the the spirit of communication with our neighbors, even if they're from thousands of miles away, it remains alive. But that was a good choice, man. That was a, that was a fun stop that we had at, uh, at Benny J's Bone Beef and Bird. There you go, hey, got it. I finally got it. <laughs> Gotta love it. It's is Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. More from our trip and the games that we saw in the future for the, some of the teams that we saw in second hour. But hour number one in the books. Before we take you out at hour number one, though, speaking of, I know I just made you hungry with our barbecue talk. How about some sandwiches? We got 25 bucks to Taglieri Delicatessen. Give us a call right now. Caller number 4-406-888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. You want to experience the best deli in Missoula, the best sandwiches in the state of Montana? That's not even according to me. That's according to People Magazine and the Food Network. Call us right now. we got a $25 gift card to Taglieri Delicatessen. 888-1029, call number four. You could be the winner of Tagliari Tuesday here on Nuwana's Now. Sam Herter, Hero Sports. Breaking down all things FCS playoffs. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio.